yum nub. Each out the yum nub. I told me to be chicken. Can you put Hello and welcome to Yubcast, your Star Wars cartoon podcast. But we are not droids. We are not programmed. You have to learn to make your own decisions. My name is Matt. I messed that up. And my name's Jamie, and I'm not just another number. None of us are. Despite my flub, pretty good opening. Both have, yep. clo- we both have clone quotes. Really appropriate. Um, before we get into anything else, I just want to sort of bookend, like we're doing Bad Batch Season 2, Episode 7, The Clone Conspiracy. Before we get into that, we like to catch up on Star Wars. We skipped a week of recording, just to schedules and my bullshit. Um, have you done any Star Wars in the past couple weeks, Jamie? Um, no. We should, we should, we should probably bookend, we should probably like, like timestamp that at some point tonight, it's pretty late on the East Coast, but sometime in the AM tonight, Mandalorian Season 3, Episode 1 is released. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. As I uh, as I get my daughter excited for it, it's the Baby Grogu Show Season 3. It's the way to get her uh, to watch it. But Sorry to interrupt you. You said you hadn't done any Star Wars the past couple weeks. No, not not per- not particularly. No, I um, did I? No, I didn't. Well, I got I got stuff I can talk about though. Um, we don't have a bit loaded up for the front of this episode, so I can talk about my ridiculous Star Wars collecting in the basement. Um, I I have this relationship now with a three D printer where I give him money and he gives me three D prints of stuff, and I'm also three D printing my own stuff, but. I have a whole mess of Loth cats that he sent me, and the the snails from Adalon that were all over um, the uh, Bindu, like the Bindu scenes. Mm-hmm. And I have a 3D printed Bindu now, and he is fucking huge. I ordered it from this guy because it is huge, um, and I want to. I have an area of my basement where I want to make a bunch of Star Wars dioramas, and I want to have basically a Rebels diorama with all of the officially released, unfortunately only five POA, five points of articulation um, figures, but all of them. And I have a I have a complete collection of Rebels, and I'm supplementing with the Beasts. So I've ordered the Loth Cat, the Puffer Pigs, the Loth Wolf, and the Snails, and the Bindu from Customizers. I'm going to... I ordered all the paints and everything. I'm going to paint them and put them what together. What about the spiders? Didn't, did you say well, the spiders, were, the spiders were released with um, a Mandalorian back, but I also have the 3D print files for the spiders, so I, I might try to print like a really big one. But that might... I don't know if that's going to be. It's a good idea to make them on Adalon. Um, it's good. It's good feedback. Um, I'll think about it. <laughs> I like. I really like the spiders, but I like that the spiders appear in Mando too. Mm-hmm. And I want to make a spider. I want to print a, a giant spider that can like grab the Razor Crest because I have the Razor Crest from the from the Haslab stuff. 
because I, I buy all the HasLab stuff for the 3.75 inch figures. Yeah, I the uh, with the spiders. Uh, spiders had me thinking how like uh, a lot of people know certain species, but there's like hundreds or if not thousands of uh, planets and like inhabited ones. So I I was thinking that like like at some point there was just like species. There's a lot of species got cross. Like there, there's like cross contamination. So like how you're not supposed to bring flora or fauna from like other countries into uh, it's like like people just like just didn't give a shit. You know. And you, like, go ahead, finish. And so like so whether by choice or just by like not being careful, letting like an, like some sort of like parasite, say like the spiders, like maybe there's like a spider, like one of those spider eggs, and they just it just got everywhere. Yeah, so you know that I, I briefly worked for NASA when I was um, in graduate school, and NASA calls that forward contamination, when you contaminate a extraterrestrial site with microorganisms or organisms from Earth. And a lot of my work at NASA was trying to figure out how to prevent that. Yeah, I remember uh, a uh, a Science Friday because I was it was uh, Science Friday on. Um, I'm Ira Flato. Yeah, um, <laughs> and I, I remember I remember it specifically because it was um, my wife was pregnant with uh, our our son, and um, they had talked about how like <clears throat> there's almost no way to to not bring something. Um, they can you can de- decontaminate as much as you want, but you're there are things that won't die. Yeah, so that was a large. I don't know if we ever talked about this, but that was a large part of my job was taking um, electron micrographs of surfaces of of probes when I worked at NASA and showing that they hadn't de- decontaminated them and trying to do sort of the genetics trying to catalog the genetics of the contaminants for Mars missions. This is a thousand fucking years ago. So we could have a sense if we ever found DNA on Mars that we could confirm that it wasn't a contaminant. Yeah. <laughs> it's near it's near fucking impossible. Like it was it was a terrible task. Like like talk about a laborious task with no end in sight. Um that that project was terrible and it was subject to all sorts of weird oversight so it's just not it's not fucking possible like i like we could have washed washed the surfaces of those spacecraft with phenol and it would have persisted Mm -hmm. i'm I'm convinced and we're talking about like a, a an organization that was not cost sensitive they would have done anything to do it and it just wasn't possible Mm -hmm. yeah so yeah it just makes me think like like did people just like not like they just like brought rancors like um everywhere these spiders turn up in a lot of spots um the various like cat those like loath cat you see those in a bunch of places um see where they cats themselves in our society are contaminants right cats are cats have a very narrow the 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 ancient ancestor of the domesticated cat has a very narrow geographic region, but it's been con- the whole planet's been contaminated with cats. 
I'm sorry, cat people, but they're parasites. Like they're they are they're opportunist opportunistic organisms that are living off of people mm-hmm. and civilization. And so everywhere there's human civilization, there's there's a cat and rat contamination. Those organisms don't exist outside of human civilization. Oh, wait, are you saying the cats put the rats there? No, that that both cats and rats <laughs> are contaminating organisms. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's wild. But okay, sorry, sorry, um, listeners, to go on a nerdy um, rant about um, species. But I just find I just um, bringing up the spiders just makes me think of just like how how is it that everybody happens to know a specific um, type of animal unless there's just like zoos that like um, that that like maybe like brought animals to different planets and then released them. Let's talk um, about Cody and the Starcatcher and the Menagerie, who was a traveling zoo that brought animals to planet to planet in the the classical Star Wars episode of Droids. The other thing the other thing I've done in the past couple of weeks is since Mandalorian is premiering in um, tonight. In a few hours from tonight, and by a few hours, I mean probably like six hours from my point of view, from our point of view. But six hours is in the middle of fucking night for me. Um, I got I've I've been gathering some Mando artifacts, and so I have my um, life size Grogu. That was a fun fun get, and I got my Mando helmet. I ordered the Black Series Disney Mando helmet, and the kids love that helmet. You, you know what I want to see in Star Wars? Because um, um, I saw this like in Guardians, the second Guardians of the Galaxy. I want to see people wearing like clothing that has like um, so, like something for like uh, an advertisement for like a, a soft drink or something. Or like you, you don't even you know what like it is. Like it's a like, NASCAR jumpsuit. Yeah, or you just you see Wrecker in a T-shirt that has like some writing on it and like a little like uh something like a logo for something so it's just like i mean you don't know what it is but it's just like that's something that that sticks sponsorship (laughs) yeah (laughs) just uh just like some sort of like um i don't know i just think because it would just make it seem like every more like every day stuff like or something for like that's very blade tech blasters or something yeah yeah that would be for record it would be a, a popular brand of mantel mix yeah and um, I don't know. Tech like his favorite VPN. <laughs> VPN. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And like I know Omega wears like the T-shirt of like whatever the Star Wars equivalent of New Direction or One Direction is. <laughs> I, I would love that would be universe building to me. So I would I would love the idea that there's advertisements there. I sort of like that, yeah. that everything is so dirty though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I always think about like sh- like shows like uh, like The Walking Dead. It's like nobody, everybody's always in some sort of like just plain shirt or just some regular shirt. Nobody's wearing beer t-shirts, band t-shirts, t-shirts for companies that don't exist anymore. Because those kind of that kind that's that's like what everybody's going to be wearing in the apocalypse. Because there's like tons of outfits like that. Uh, I mean, can you imagine a few generations from now, like, say, like, if everything goes to hell, and then, like, people are just wearing, um, t- you know, it's like the 
it's like the uh, the countries that get the the t-shirts of the losing uh, team of the Super Bowl. You like you you're wearing you're just wearing clothes because you just need to wear clothes, but it's of something uh, that you don't know. It's like when when the Flanders kids wear the butthole t uh, butthole surfers t-shirt. Right, you're you're you you want you want Omega wearing like a big Johnson's pull your stick out and and feel your balls t-shirt yeah. <laughs> because because that that's a that's an appropriate cultural reference for our age. Yeah, or one that has a bunch of like rancors screwing all over. Were those were, there, were those popular where where you grew up? What are you talking about? Or like I. Uh, I free, okay. I freely admit this because this is back in the '90s. Like I had a I had a T-shirt that had it was VW Bugs just screwing and all sorts of. It was just a bunch of like VW Bugs doing various sexual acts to each other, and there was all sorts of different uh, ones um, similar to that. It, it was around the same time as the Big Johnson T-shirts. And I've sent you photos of the mugs I have in my house. Oh yeah, my mom has those, the ones with the bunnies. We have yeah, the bunnies. bunnies and the alligators yeah. and the bears. Yeah, we have, oh, we have penguins. Yeah, the penguins, that's that's also one. There I think there were 6 or 8 of them, but they're dear listeners. They're basically mugs from the 70s that our parents all had which depict huge animal orgies <laughs> where animals were like 69 each other or penetrating each other from the rear and Etc. Etc. There are maybe a, four or five dozen animals on these mugs, and they're all in a continuous chain of coitus. <laughs> <laughs> but I—that's my—that's my pen mug on my desk. <laughs> yeah, I've got—I've got the mug from the COVID. What's that? <laughs> these later generations will never know the. Uh, the uh, the panic of having a friend over and then trying to get a mug out and you're like no 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 <laughs> oh you care too much no my my mugs on my desk are are the mug that my supervisor got me from the COVID response team which has a bunch of COVID memes all over it and she ordered and then the mug of like all the bunnies having an orgy <laughs> the two things I care about um microbiology public health and um sex so (laughs) who and everybody else (laughs) yeah everyone cares about public health yes (laughs) if you can't if you can't tell you know we're only like year year three of a pandemic yeah okay should we probably get to star wars and stop boring people with the only other The only other thing that will bore people with Star Wars, the only other thing I wanted to say is I put it on Twitter today and I texted you that uh, my it was my birthday recently and it's your birthday coming up. So this is the interim birthday podcast. Um, but my mother did send me a birthday gift and she sent me those Star Wars tiki mugs I put on Twitter. Oh, those are so rad. Yeah, I, I this is a thing that I told my wife... I basically, I, I preload gifts to my wife throughout the year. I was like, if you, because I buy my wife a lot of just I love you gifts. Um, like, it's just our relationship. She she says, like, oh, I really like this purse, or I really like this top, or I really like this piece of art. And then I'll figure out a way to get it. And I give it to her, and so I, I, I preload these gifts with her, and I would preloaded 
that we don't have to do this now. This is not a Christmas or birthday thing. This is like a random thing. You want to get me a random gift at some point throughout the year just to tell me that you're thinking about me, that you love me. Just buy me a Star Wars Tiki mug because we have friends over and I'm a alcohol connoisseur, right? That's I, one way of saying it. Yeah, yeah I'm a function, high-functioning alcoholic, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> but I have like a full house bar, and we've got a pretty vibrant social life in the community, and people know that that, the, that our house is sort of like the bar Star Wars house. If you want to come talk about Star Wars or see some cool Star Wars shit, have a good drink, you can come over and I'll, I'll mix you a drink. So I was like... Star Wars tiki mugs are a good intersection of these loves. And so yeah. my mother asked my wife what I what she should get me for my birthday. My wife told my mother, like, he wants these Star Wars tiki mugs. And my mother sent me a fucking grip of them. Yeah. She sent me four big ones that are like 16 to 20 ounces a piece and four little ones. So I have ten total. The four little ones, I think, are four ounces. They're very esoteric cantina aliens. There's the Mumon and Cabe and and Greedo, and then the big ones are like R2 and the Stormtrooper, Darth Vader, Boba Fett, Chewbacca, Yoda. I put a to- I put a photo on Twitter. I'm just this hap- I unpacked them earlier today. I'm just very excited. I know this is going to post like probably two weeks after after that photo, but I'm so freaking excited and. My wife has yep. already asked me when we're going to have people over for tiki drinks out of Star Wars classes, so we're definitely going to do that soon. Yeah, you you, you definitely need to uh, you need to uh, invent some uh, Star Wars themed uh, drinks. You know, yes. Get, get some crushed ice and some uh, various colorings, and then just mix a bunch of shit together and put a little dry ice in one or something. I don't know. Yeah, well, well, I'll I'll put my I'll put my intellect toward that. Get like a mailer on fruit, um, daiquiri or something. Cool. That, cool. Was supposed, yeah. that was supposed to be a joke, so you you could have laughed oh. at that. <laughs> Sorry, I was reading something else, and then then you said it. I'm just like, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. <laughs> All right, do you want to move on to the show? Yeah, let's do it. All let's right. Um, so as we said earlier, um, we're doing Bad Batch Season 2, Episode 7, The Clone Conspiracy. I'm sorry if we're, we've fallen a little bit behind on Clone or on Bad Batch, but it is what we are, what we do. Um, but before we do the plot summary, I do sometimes like to showcase some of the cast. We've got a couple cast members today that I think are worth mentioning. Um, the first one is Shannon Duncan Brewster. Um, she plays Senator Tyrena Palma Palmlo, um, and this is a character that she originally played in the 2016 film Rogue One: A Star Wars Story. Um, but she reprises this role for this episode of Bad Batch, the same senator in the same yeah. outfit. Yeah, I thought that was a I thought that was a cool touch. I love it when they do this, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, she doesn't have a big Star Wars credit. Um, she basically has played this one character in Star Wars, but she actually has a pretty cool um, career uh, as an act- actor. She played Mira Troy in Enola Holmes 2, which is a big hit in my house. 
we play we watched all the Enola Holmes movies on Family Movie Night. I recommend them. She played Doctor Liet Kynes in Dune, the recent yes. episode of Dune. Yeah, yeah, they cha- um they changed the um they changed that character up a bit, but yeah, it, yeah, I liked her in it. Yeah, she was in one episode of Doctor Who in 2009. And the other the other credit that she's sort of known for is she played Ms. Fozzie, Fosley in Imagine Me and You, which is a rom-com in the early 2000s about a woman planning her wedding that falls in love with her florist and experiences her first homosexual feelings. Um, I remember seeing this movie. I don't know if you've seen it or not, but it's a it's an early sort of LGBTQ-aware rom-com. Yeah, um, right around this time is when I hit a humongous dry spell and was not having a lot of dates and stuff, so I would would have missed this movie. You probably recognize the poster because the poster of the movie is a woman. It's showing everybody from like the back, um, and a woman has like her arm around a man and is holding onto the hand of a woman. Um, it was a pretty iconic poster at the time, but I understand if you if you if you missed it. Um, it's a pretty good movie though. Oh yeah, okay, sure. Um, the other act actor I want to highlight today is Jennifer Hale, and Jennifer Hale is Star Wars royalty as far as I'm concerned. Um, she was in Star Wars. She was in Clone Wars, and she played Ayla Secura, the Jedi, and she also played Chuchi, and she's reprising her role as Chuchi, um, Senator Chuchi, in this um, episode. You okay? Yeah, it's such a great name. It's like, it's like it makes me think of Chachi. It does make me think of Chachi as well. Um, she also played, in Clone Wars, she played um, a Senator, a Rosina Senator called, or sorry, the... Um, Rodian senator called Lola Purs in the Senate Murders episode. Um, and she has done a ton of other Star Wars work. So we're going to run through that real quick. She was a voice in the Star Wars Detours um, series that was unaired, thankfully. Because I would have made us cover it if it was aired. And now that's going to be our Patreon bonus episode if we ever start asking you all, all of you assholes for money to do this. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, what, what do you get with a, our, being a Patreon subscriber for us? Um, we review the worst yeah. Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll even be, we'll become even hackier. Um, she played Mon Mothma in the Freemaker Adventures, which I've still not watched all of those, um, but I will get around to that. And she was credited in Rebels as in an episode as Prisoner Number 2. So she had a bit part there. But she played... Valak in three episodes of Resistance. That's a mohawked pirate in the Raider group. Um, but prior to all of this work, she did a ton of voiceover work in um, cartoons and video games. She was Bastila Shaw in KOTOR. And she played Satil Shaw in later Old Republic games. And she's basically been in every Star Wars video game since X-Wing vs. TIE Fighter in 1997. This is a game that I played religiously as a child. I don't know if you played X-Wing vs. TIE Fighter. Uh, no, I never did. It's fucking amazing as far as a video... As far as, like, a... Like a... Flight simulator video game. Those are the video games I was super into when I was a kid. 
was with the flight simulators because of my background in in avionics. Outside of Star Wars, she played. Um, she was the actor who portrayed Commander Shepard in Mass Effect. She was in. She was Cinderella in Ralph Breaks the Internet. She's credited as quote the dog in Star Wars Lower Decks, and played Kiara on Rick and Morty. Morty, Summer, this is Kiara. She's a Crutabulon warrior priestess from Crutabulon. I, I know where Crutabulons are from, Dad. A Chimentolo. Chimentolo, younglings. Chimentolo. Your father's <laughs> mind holds love for you. I am humbled to meet in physicality. Dad, are you... In love with a badass, sexy alien lady? Anyway, anyway, we can we can do our Rick and Morty thing later, but but she plays Kiara and Rick and Morty. Um, in reality, she has almost 500 credits. She has 470 credits over 30 plus years. If you go back to the beginning of her career, um, she plays Sonya Blade in Mortal Kombat. Sonya wins. Um. So she, as far as I'm concerned, is um, cartoon Star Wars video game goddess. Um, and I'm I, after researching her tonight. My new goal is to get her on the show. So I'm calling my shot. We're going to interview Jennifer Hale on the show at some point in the near future. Yeah. Just lead with the NASA part. Lead with the NASA part? What, what yeah. part should I leave out? The rest? Yeah. <laughs> Sonya wins. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wanted to say that I actually, I thought I heard um, the actress who played uh, Ventress as one of the, um, one of the other uh, senators. <clears throat> I don't know what... Uh, I can look that up. I, I I tried to check everybody, but um, I might have missed somebody. Which uh, act, which 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 senator? Is um the weird looking one? The weird looking one. Yeah. No, she's played by this one. She plays both Chuchi and and the one from the the one from the represents the trade guild. Oh really? Well, yeah, she plays both parts. Sounds a lot like her. Yeah, I agree. I th- I think like she's she's so she's incredibly talented and mm-hmm. I think I think the she nails the sort of Star Wars style of um character. Um it would've been great if we got um Ventress the actress who played Ventress back here, but and it's it's Jennifer Hale playing both of those parts. Alright, fine. Alright, do you wanna move on to the plot summary? Yeah, let's Let's go for it. Let's do it. Take it away. Let's do it. There's a character in that um, High in Life game that is just names Let's Let's Do It, and he just all, all he does in that game you have talking guns, and L he just is like Let's do it in a very sliced alone sort of thing. So that that, my that sounds terrible. <laughs> yeah, <okay. laughs> my poor imitation. <laughs> okay, so the show opens up on Coruscant at a clone bar. Uh, a clone of the bar is saying that the entire galaxy believes Rampart's lies. The clones argue that they shouldn't have destroyed it. The clones argue that if they fell out of orders, why is it being covered up? 
One of the clones is named Cade, tells the other one, Slip, that he sent Rampart a message telling him to come clean about the fate of Camino, or else he would ex expose him to the Senate. Now, I, I want to talk about this before we move forward. I just want to talk about the clone bar. It's, um, I think, didn't wasn't didn't we see a clone bar like either this bar or a bar similar to it uh, at the um, in, not at, like in uh, the Clone Wars cartoon? Yes, there was a clone bar that was. It's either this exact one or something very similar that was actually in the Clone Wars movie, and and we revisit it in Clone Wars a couple times. Um, I love, I love the idea of this bar. I love mm -hmm. the idea that it's it's a perfect bar. It's like a VFW for clones, right? Or a, le a legion for clones. Mm -hmm. um, it's the perfect it's the perfect cultural reference for us to show that they have their own support system. Yeah, you know, that that they they have a place where they can go and have a couple beers, bullshit and unwind. Like I don't know if you belong to a legion. I've I've considered it, but I don't. I hear, I hear really good things or really bad things. My sister likes it because they're so helpful. But shocking, they're going to be nice to a good-looking veteran that comes in asking for uh, help with her car. Sure. Uh, <laughs> I, sure. I don't think she really she really understands that. But I've thought about it. I just it was maybe a place just to like hang out, but. My experience with Legions has been very positive, just in general. So, so we we we've been guests. We can because of veterans in the family, we can be members. So, it's it's basically a cheap bar in the area where people are generally supportive. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's just good community. Area. Yeah, the uh, it's just the area that I'm in, and yeah, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> no, no explanation needed. I I understand. There, there might have, there might not be as many members because they're all locked up right now. For for Jesus, for, for <laughs> in January six. But, but um, I also noticed that um, the um, the um, there's a ser uh, serving droid. It's the same. Um, I think it's the same droid that's being dis. It's the same droid that's being disintegrated. Nope, but you're close. Okay. It's the droid that becomes the 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 herald for Boba Fett in the Book of Boba Fett, who lives in Jabba's palace. His in in Book of Boba Fett, that droid is called Eight D Eight. I swear I've seen it in other places. Yeah, yeah, he's in. Well, I can send you a thing about him, but um. Oh no, he's the one. He's the one that's uh, torturing the gonk droid. Yeah, he's his his job is is managing the torture chamber in Jabba's palace in Return of the Jedi. But his most recent appearance is he's the herald for book for Boba Fett and Book of Boba Fett. That's okay. That's right. I was I was close. You were close. Yeah, very close. Eight D eight. If people want to look up his Wikipedia page. Okay, so, and like I, I like the fact that like um, that slip has um, that there, there's there's a lot of difference between um, um, the clones. Like he actually has a beard, and I like the fact that like some of them are in just like their uniform. Some of them are still in their armor and all just hanging out talking to like um, 
hot hot toilet girls Twi'lek girls yeah the bar is surrounded by used car dealerships <laughs> and uh they can get a speeder at 38 percent interest rate <laughs> and, pay, and um payday Ta- loan <laughs> payday yeah. loan centers <laughs> tattoo parlors and actually if it was true the the the, the twilight girls probably be never mind never mind um <laughs> Yeah, stop. They're, pull up. Pull up. <laughs> they're selling all the clone stuff while they're out deployed uh, fighting the uh, fighting the fighting the droids. Pull up. Pull up. <laughs> no, and also like the bar is like the the bars that we had the clone bar or bars that you've we've seen in the past have been like packed. This bar is like is dead. So that's, it's kind that's of, a good observation. I didn't notice that that the bar was was relatively empty. It's. It's a great way to telegraph the state of the clones. Mm-hmm. I I just love I love the whole concept. I love I love every part of this sort of clone setting. Everything everything about it I love. I love that they have their own space. I love that they're commiserating with each other. I love that they like that this infrastructure exists for them, or that the market created it for them and caters to them. The whole thing is positive, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I wonder, do they give themselves tattoos, or is there like a a, a tattoo parlor, or like a right by? It would be a good marketing to just have a tattoo parlor to give them face tattoos. Like Jesse has like the whole like sprocket on his face, right? Or one of them has a sprocket on their face, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think that just that would just be good business. Yeah, <laughs> it's just. I guess think of the uh, behind the bar. There's like a sign that says like "Do not serve this person," and it's a picture of the clone. And it's just like okay, <laughs> this person passes bad checks. Yeah. <laughs> the bartender's just like, mm, okay. They don't seem to have a problem telling each other apart, but that that's fucking hilarious. Yeah. All right, we'll move on. Yeah. Okay. So Cadence, uh, Cadence slip, uh, step outside the landing platform, um, or parking lot of the bar. As they approach the speeders, sleep, uh, sorry, slip tells Cade that is too dangerous. Cade says that they're not bad men, but what they did was wrong. Um, I, I like the false of the fact that they're really sad about Camino, but they don't, they don't give two shits about what they did to the Jedi. These guys might not have. I've I've thought about this. These guys might not have been in a position to execute Order sixty six. There might have been very few clones that were in positions to actually kill Jedi. But these these guys are wrestling with a similar order, mm-hmm. and they're just showing that that this programming, this quote unquote programming, is not absolute. Yeah. So that uh, just then, Cade is killed by a sniper shot. Slip takes cover before returning fire uh, in the general direction. Um, I like I like uh, the fact that his uh, blaster is exactly the the kind that Rex has. So just very standard issue uh, clone army uh, blaster. Um, he then uses Speeder's cover. He escapes over the edge and disappears into the Coruscant traffic. Overall, a really satisfying sort of action sequence. Yeah. Yeah, it was wild because it was just like it was just like plummeting, and then he just gets onto it last minute and like brings it up and just bolts. And then uh, clones approach the, uh, Kate's fallen body and order that the perimeter be secured. We see from the sniper's position, looking through his gun sight, 
but then he leaves without taking any more shots and uh you don't know who it is and i mean i i was pretty much i was pretty sure that it was in fact um crosshairs i i i thought it might be at first i think there's stuff later in the episode that made me think it wasn't but we can talk about the identity of the sniper in a little bit Mm -hmm. the fact that crosshair doesn't seem to miss um was kind of an indicator but um you know pretty much yeah but but also it's just like all this in the heat of the moment you just see a sniper and the crosshair is under rampart's thumb so you just you just automatically assume right okay but anyways so at the um so in the senate building which i never really truly appreciated like how like massive it is it's like this huge mushroom shape it's like humongous building so inside the uh, senate uh and Ishitib named Gany uh, Raduli, uh, representing the banking clan, is arguing in favor of the military bill Rampart is proposing, the Imperial Defense Recruitment Bill. Senator Tynamo and is that right? Yeah, Tynamo and Bill Organa debate arguing uh, against the military formation bill. Gossam Commerce Guild senator supports the formation of the army. This is a very Star Warsy scene, but I'm I'm so I'm super glad to be back in the Senate building. The design of the Senate building, since you mentioned it, is an old Macquarie design that is actually reused in um, Rebels as the Lothal um, governmental building. It's the same design, mm-hmm. the one that they take off in at the end. Spoiler alert for Rebels. This whole thing, I I kind of find funny because they the one word that's brought up and maybe it's just an accident but they call it uh they call it this recruitment bill but it's uh they'll call them uh conscripts that's meaning that they're just going to be drafting people yeah it's sort of the opposite of recruitment right yeah (laughs) it's like 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 impressed service yeah um that's a good call like i didn't catch that but yeah they're not asking for volunteers necessarily Mm -hmm. they're they're impressing people into service and it's pretty, and it's pretty, um, um, not hilarious, but like hilarious in a sad way. This is like saying like there's more pressing things, but they just want to throw money at the military. Um, just are just throwing or just throwing money into things that you don't really need versus spending money on things that are actually important. Let's, let's talk about that in a little bit, because I think, I think a character in this episode sort of reveals a conflict later. Okay. All right. So, uh, so Rio Chuchi asks why the clones aren't included in the legislation. She says they cannot be shut off like droids. She asks why they are debating making a new army when they aren't taking care of the current army. Hmm. Uh, just like real life. Uh, Rampart uh, says that there are provisions in place to help the clones as they are phased out. They're going to give them uh, cardboard boxes and markers. Um, Chuji uh, asks how, how he knows what the clones need. Rampart says he's willing to work together to ensure the clones are considered in the legislation. You make they, you make the comment about the cardboard box, but we fucking see a clone in Obi-Wan Kenobi on the street begging for money. Yeah. We know what happens to these people. They get fucking shafted. Yep. Um, yeah, so uh, Bale tables the debate until it can be addressed. 
So Grand Vizier Amita expresses his concern that Rampart was not able to bring the bill for a vote this session. Rampart says that this is only a delay and the bill will pass. Noisy senators will not derail them. Amita says that people know what happened to Camino, the bill and the bill and Rampart is in trouble. So it's saying like you're I mean, it's a little foreshadowing, but it's just a little like um, you're the one that's going to be fucked, buddy, not me. I think in a previous episode, I said that I really hope Rampart is making his own bed with some of this shit. Mm-hmm. And we get a little bit of payoff in these this two-part episode, but we're only covering the first part. But mm-hmm. I like that Masamita is sort of foreshadowing that if you fuck this up, like, your ass is on the line. Yeah. Here's a, pr- a pro tip from history. Don't be, um, don't be a toady in an um, authoritarian government um, because... When the bill comes due, um, somebody, somebody will be thrown under the bus, and it's not going to be the people you work for. <laughs> it's going to be you. Yeah, we've talked about this in the context of him specifically, where where you've you've said in the past, like, he's too young to be who he is. He must be, like, a placeholder or somebody's kid or somebody who's set up to be a fall guy. Mm-hmm. And it's very insightful that analysis is pretty insightful for the arc of this character. We don't see him past Bad Batch, so that's also a good indicator that he's not a longevity character, but but these fascists don't give a shit. They want people to do their bidding, and when stuff breaks bad, they can't say, like, hey, wait a minute, because they're, they're too implicated in their own crimes. Mm-hmm. Story's old as time. So, okay, so Rampart says that uh, Chushi will not prevail and that he has a plan to keep what happened on Camino secret. Now, uh, Chuchi goes to the uh, the clone bar and tells the clones what the plan is. The clones are upset that they are being decommissioned. They don't want a pension plan. They just want to be soldiers. Chuchi asks what happens if they get too old to fight. She, and so she wants them to consider the future. Like, um... They, that's something that they haven't really thought about or programmed uh, programmed for, tra- trained for. Well, programmed may be a better term. They won't be. They're not going to be soldiers forever, so they got to think about what to. They got to think about their four hundred one ks. It is is reasonable to think that they have not thought about this, right? Mm-hmm. Because because they're probably programmed to think they're going to die in battle, right? Or conditioned yeah. to think they're going to die in battle, and the and the small percentage of them that that survive, they they do deserve some sort of consideration on the back end, like, what the hell are you going to do now? I like this conversation in general. Yeah, yeah. Like you said, they probably thought they were just going to die in battle or just the war would just go forever. Um, she says uh, she says that she will fight for them. Tell her um, that they just need to tell her how to help, and she will make sure Admiral Rampart's bill addresses their needs. Now, Slip is in the background listening. As the clones leave, Slip approaches the senator and asks if she really wants to represent the clones. He tells her that Rampart can't be trusted. He tells her that Camino was destroyed in, a, uh, in an attack ordered by Rampart himself. Chuchi uh, initially doesn't believe him, but Slip says that he was there. He was a crew member on the Venator. Chuchi says that the Senate would know. Uh, Slip says everyone knows is now either missing or dead. He tells her the name of Sl- his name, his slip, and his service number, which is CT zero four zero nine, and she can check his record. She tell he tells her to be careful as he disappears back into the bar. This is a wonderful 
speaking truth to power moment. Um, powerful people, or people who think they're powerful, don't want to hear the truth. They're, they have a narrative that they're pushing. They have the reality that they that is most convenient to them and they don't want to hear the truth. It, it's a, this whole thing like Chuchi pushes back against him saying like, you can't know that. Like, how would you know that? He's, he's nothing to her. Yeah. It's very, it's very gross in, in a, in like a power imbalance way where she's, she's so quick to dismiss his thing. And he's just like, like, fine, look me up. Right. And, mm-hmm. and after this, like he, he wants nothing to do with her. Like, he feels like he's put her on, like, he's given her the information she needs, and he's, like, he's on his way out. And if she doesn't do anything with it, that's on her. It's a very, Hmm. it's a very powerful moment to me, at least. Yeah. At the Senate building, Chuchi meets with Admiral Rampart. She asks her valet if he's located CT-0409. So in the lower levels, we we see Slip hiding out. He's trying to reach to someone for an extraction. So uh, back at the meeting with Rampart, Rampart is asking if Chuchi really wants millions of pensions for the clones. He agrees that the future of the clones requires planning, and the galaxy owes them that. Chuchi is quiet, and Rampart asks what's wrong. She asks why he wasn't killed at Kamino since he was stationed there. Rampart says that he was off-world at a training exercise, but if he was there, he he might have been able to save more. Chuchi is cold and says that he seems okay with the destruction of Kamido and all the lives lost. Are, are we assuming that like there was a lot of clones died as well? Yeah, I assume that there was a ton of clones. I mean, we we sort of saw the Bad Batch running through part of the city and it was pretty deserted. But she later says that basically all of the Kaminoans are dead because it was not just a tapioca city bombardment but a whole planet-wide bombardment like all of Mm -hmm. the cities on the planet were destroyed um and so and and part of what slip and and Cade were talking about was that they killed clones and that was one of the things that they were upset about and so Mm -hmm. presumably this was basically a genocide um that wiped out a ton of clones and all the Kaminoans almost all the Kaminoans yeah um the senator named Halliburton still survived. <laughs> yeah. Um, Star Wars okay. isn't political. Here's a senator Halliburton. Star Wars yeah. isn't political. Chuchi is cold, and he seems that he seems okay with the destruction of Camino and all the lives lost. Oh, and at the clone memorial, Chuchi is approached by her valet, saying he has a secure communication. Cut to Chuchi in the bad part of town, which town is the whole planet, but whatever. Um, she's with her valet. She She's approached by an astromech and led down an alley where Bail Organa is waiting. Bail dismisses R2-C4 and asks Chuchi why she's making such noise. He asks uh, about the meeting with Admiral Rampart. She says he conceded too many of her requests. Bail Organa says Rampart says the right things to says the right things to prevent people from looking too close. Bell uh, says that there's an increase in unrest, and now the Empire needs a new army to control the Empire. And right when they need the new army, 
a disaster destroys Camino, forcing the decision. Uh, Chuchi says that she knows that. Um, sorry, Chuchi says she knows a clone that says Rampart destroyed the city. Bale asks where this clone is. She says they are searching. Bale says he might not be the only one missing. So, Bale knows that something's up. The clones. Um, and he knows that uh, Rampart just said he's kind of a skilled politician, just says just the right things. And and the fact that there's um, that there's like all these um, uh, this unrest. So here's here's my big question for you in this episode. Bale is anti-imperial military formation knowing that the clones are becoming less and less effective. But at the same time, Bale is organizing a resistance movement with Mon Mothma and others to fight back against the Empire. Is his blocking of this Imperial recruitment bill part of his plan to weaken the Empire, to make them vulnerable to attack? Possibly, but like he, um, in other things, he's made seem like he like toes the line, um, while secretly being a uh, like um, laying the groundwork for the uh, for the Rebel Alliance. So, I don't know. It's something that that occurred to me when I was watching it the third or fourth time for this recording. I was like, like, oh. He has a huge conflict of interest here. He wants the Empire to be weak mm-hmm. militarily. And that, that there might be some like idealism in here. Them saying, like, like oh, they, sh- they shouldn't have a military because we've never had a military before. And that previous military was only because of the Emergency Powers Act. And that's no longer needed. Right, mm-hmm. and then Rampart's like, "What about all the insurgents?" And Bale's thinking in the back of his mind, "Yeah, I'm fucking paying those guys." Yeah, well, right, those well, are my good. insurgents. Are they though? That's that's something that I thought about. Yeah, that that's was, another good point. It, it's shown like throughout that, like, like even like even in real life, let's call them false flags. We've, not to get down the conspiracy rabbit hole, but we've um, we've seen this sort of thing. Uh, in in the past, excuses to um, to invade or to um, to go to war or up up spending. Um, um, Heard it here first, guys. Jamie thinks nine eleven was inside job. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> you work you work for the government. You know how incompetent they are. Yeah. Um. Yeah, you couldn't keep it secret. No yeah. chance. <laughs> yeah, so it's I mean cuz like in the in the is it in the uh ca- the book uh Catalyst that uh they just make up excuses to just to take over mines and to just in, like invade planets. Yeah, that whole book is basically false flags. Mm-hmm. Is like that's that's the strategy of the government is to fake industrial accidents or to to gin up reasons to um, capture land from indigenous people. It's it's a super um, realistic but gross practice that they're pushing. Yep, where our homes are located are 
was probably gotten in a similar way. If not just plain just murdering the people that lived here before. Yeah, I mean, yes, that is not that is not improbable. Yeah, but it seems like a very empire slash sidious thing to just like, well, we need we need an army, and there's like all the, there's always going to be a problem that that so that we need to have a bigger army. And I do think I do think he I think that the the crux of this is that they can't trust the clone army, that they can't trust the legacy of the clone army to do the bidding any longer because they basically broke it with order 66 and all the other shit they've had to do. And so they have to figure out a new solution and their solution is let's recruit people. And then the terminal solution of all of this is the first order, which is let's brainwash children. Yeah. Well, you and I have talked about this before is that, They've they've won, and the clones are competent soldiers. We don't need um, we don't need uh, um, army rangers anymore. We need security guards. Right. You, you need o- you need an occupation army rather than an invading army. Yeah. So well, the clones were high, highly capable soldiers. The stormtroopers. I mean, there's obviously some in there that are very good at their jobs, but there's but a lot of them are just like ding dongs in white armor. Um, They're on their Mormon mission to serve <laughs> the empire. Yeah, so like they don't need the cream of the crop anymore. They just need they just need bodies in uniforms to win to win anything just by just massive amounts of body. Just like like every um, like history has shown like how Russia has won a lot of their um, wars is not by having superior soldiers. It's just having a lot of soldiers. Right. It's called attrition. Mm -hmm. Right. And unfortunately the current Russian war has turned to attrition because there's the only strategy Russia is good at. And yes, we'll get into, we'll get into Russian politics, but they will, Russians will, Russian leadership will turn any war they they're into, into a waiting game, because they mm-hmm. think they can win a waiting game. It's worked in the past. Yeah, it's it's toppled empires. Yeah, by just being willing to sacrifice millions of people. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, um, all right. So, so back in Rampart's office. Uh, Rampart is um, talking to a hologram of a sniper. He asks the sniper has found the clone. He says no, but Chuchi's guards are also looking. Rampart says to kill them. Um, if this, um, sorry, Rampart says to kill them. The sniper asked if he meant Chuchi uh, too. Rampart says yes, and to make sure it can't be traced to him. So Slip is working his way to a rendezvous point. He asked into a comm where. Where is his contact? The reply says that they're in route. Slip hears a noise. It's Chuchi. Slip is confused. Chuchi says she believes him and wants to test wants him to testify. Slip says he's running. He asks Chuchi if Chuchi was followed. He said that their lives are in danger. Slip is trying to get away. Chuchi is appealing to his morality, but he's not hearing it. We see the sniper looking through his scope. Slip tells the senator that he saved 
the command logs to a backup on the Venator. Uh, she can get all the evidence from the log. The slip is then shot by the sniper. The guards move to get the senator out. And one of the guards is killed by the sniper, and the other is shot in the arm trying to get away. They enter the factory. The sniper is shooting at them from the catwalk of the factory. The room is filling with steam. The guard says Chuchi needs to run for it. He will distract the shooter when, um, sorry, he will distract the shooter while she gets to safety. She is trapped and a cloaked figure stuns the sniper at the last second. It's Captain Rex. Chuchi is surprised to see him. Rex says that he's only there to meet a clone. Chuchi says the slip is dead. They inspect the sniper and its regular clone. Rex says that he's not a trooper. He's not sure what he is. Rex says that they should take him prisoner and question him in private. This this whole this whole sequence. I do the notes for the show. I wrestled with how much detail to put into this, but this whole sequence had me wrapped. Mm-hmm. I could. Everything felt important. Every single detail of this sequence felt important. I was terrified watching it for the third or fourth time. I was terrified what was going to happen. Yeah, it's really good. It, it's really good at ratcheting the tension. It's horror. It's horror film angles and horror film like obscurity of violence. You don't know where the shots are coming from. You only see in a scene of increasing chaos because the steam is obstructing the sniper's view. It's obstructing Chuchi's view. It's obstructing the view of anything happening around any of the characters. And it's getting worse as the scene goes on. And so your sense of what's going on is diminished every second it goes on. I fucking love how this is shot. It is near perfect for ratcheting tension. Mm-hmm. And I assumed she was going to die, and after I watched it, I knew she wasn't going to die. But it felt like anything could happen at mm-hmm. any time. And it would have been reasonable, and it would have been in line with the plot, and you have this West, old-school Westworld murder machine pursuing you, and there's nothing you can do to reason with it. Right. Like, I, I fucking love this scene. The whole thing. That's why I put so much detail in the notes. But I love it. It is perfect. Especially in an episode called The Clone Conspiracy. Mm-hmm. You're expecting it to be bad. You're expecting it to be difficult. You're expecting the, the characters to have to strug- struggle and deal with this huge conspiracy and, like, conspiracy implies machination and, like, all of these, like, pieces you don't quite understand. I love it. I think it's perfect. Yeah. All right, so uh, they they um, they take the sniper to the uh, Martez's sister's garage, which I thought that was a cool um, uh, de- little detail. Love it. I yeah. love it. I know people have bitched about this detail um, or made jokes about it, but I fucking love it. Why not? Mm-hmm. Why not? Come on. Yeah. <laughs> They're not even there. Like, what are you bitching about, honestly? Yeah. They're, like, it's just a setting that, that we're familiar with. And I, I, I recognized it immediately. I don't know if you did or not, but I, I was like, holy shit, is this the Martez sisters garage? And then I looked it up and it was, and I saw people complaining about it online. I was like, oh no, this is, everyone's wrong. This is fucking perfect. 
Star Star Wars fans complaining about something? That's that's unheard of. I mean, generally a chill us. group. Generally yeah. a chill group. Yeah, other than us, we've never complained about something. We're, we complain. Uh, we complain in a supportive way, but yes, yes. we we definitely yes. complain. Our complaints are valid. Everybody else's complaints are worthless, and they should go to life. Yeah, that's that's my that's my hypothesis. That's <laughs> my point of view is is okay. Everyone else's point of view is problematic. Okay. So uh, Rex is interrogating the sniper, but uh, he isn't answering any of the questions. Rex Rex says if he answers, he will be let go. The sniper says that Rex is lying, and he is fighting the wrong battle. Rex asks who he is. The sniper says he's a believer and bites down on a suicide tooth, killing himself. Which, and this is the end of the episode, which I find fascinating. It's disgusting, right? Like it's it's beautiful in its disgustingness. <laughs> yeah, it's it's the it's the poison tooth that um, Titus Welliver's character from The Mandalorian used. Yes, you know, it like, is. It's the same mechanism. It's fucking beautiful. It's a callback or call forward or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and um, the fact that like, are there like off the book clones? This is this is the other thing. He says there's no markings on him. Yeah. What does that mean? <laughs> is this an off the book clone? Do they yeah. have their own clones? Yeah. This is like a like a, essentially a, a ghost gun. A ghost gun doesn't have um, serial number or rifling or whatever. <laughs> any way to find out where it was made and, and where where it came from? So it's like this guy is just like this guy's like a blank. Yeah. Um, so before we get any further, like I want to I want to get your impressions. What did you think of this episode? Oh, this is a great episode. This might be my favorite episode, despite the fact that Bad Batch technically isn't is it. But I want to talk about that in a second. This episode's amazing. This is exactly what we've been talking about wanting to know. We want to know what happened to these clones. Like, what's going on? What what are the politics? This is good politics, right? This isn't trade routes, taxation, (laughs) things we can't understand. Mm -hmm. This is, they have a problem. The problem is they have an army that is decreasingly loyal to them. They want to decommission that army and replace it. How do they manipulate and we'll get into this more in the next episode, too. How do they manipulate the population into supporting this drastic change in policy? Mm-hmm. I love this episode. Um, what do you think about the Bad Batch not being in this episode? I don't care at all, to be honest. I what, if, what if I told you they were in the episode and you didn't notice them? Um, okay. When do you think this episode is taking place? I don't know. <laughs> What is the previous episode to this episode? Um, the previous episode was the was it, um, the tribe. Yeah, and the previous episode of that. Um, that was the um, was that the fast um no that no that was the um, that was the um the one where they went treasure hunting. Right, entombed, and then it was faster. Mm-hmm. So. So if we try to bookmark this episode into Bad Batch this season, we can 100% do it. Because the race Echo is in, in Faster, is on the TV screen in the bar when Chuchi is talking to the clones. Uh, you mean Tech? Tech. Sorry. 
with the get a, get a ripe. The, the race tech is in mm-hmm. is on the TV screen in the bar when Chuchi is talking to the clones. <sighs> They're watching tech race. What the hell are you talking about? No way. That yep. is it's clear. Wild. It's clear on the screen. It's just it's just a it's it's a throwaway. Mm-hmm. And so that's why they're not in the episode. Is they're mm-hmm. off doing something else. And we're going to catch up with them in the next episode. We're, we're recording pretty far. We're th- probably two or three weeks behind at this point in, in the release schedule. I think the th- I think we're three weeks if we count tonight's episode that's being released. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow's episode's being released. But, but, but we know that they catch up with Bad Batch in the next episode. And so presumably the time in between this episode and the next episode covers Entombed in the Tribe. Mm-hmm, yeah. And that, that sort of makes sense from a timeline point of view, depending on how quickly those adventures were resolved. But but I'm just letting you know that that in the bar, that scene is playing out. Man, okay, now I'm going to have to watch again just to see that. But that is, that is a cool little detail. But in general, I will say, even without that inclusion, even without that little Easter egg, um, I don't care that Bad Batch is not in this episode. There's so much good Star Wars like gap filling in this episode that I just want more of this. Mm-hmm. Like I, I think I think I would I would 100 percent. Well, I'm, I'm the wrong person to be asking, but I would 100% watch an episode just following Rex around at this point. Like, what is yeah. Rex? What does Rex's network look like? How is he building yeah. that out? Yeah, because at a certain point he comes into contact with uh, Gregor and um, Wolf. Wolf. Yeah, and then they just decide just to I don't want to say be hermits, but just kind of just wander around hunting. Uh, was it Jupers? But also the the empire doesn't care about them anymore, mm-hmm. right? Because the empire takes a report from them in that episode. Yeah, I don't know. I just there's nothing about this episode I don't like at this point. Like I, I just want to know what Rex is up to, in general. It just the whole thing makes me happy. Yeah, and how do they? How do the clones know to contact him? It, it watching this episode. This makes me think, like, are they, like, are they really, like, a brotherhood where there'll be, like, secrets passed between them and they don't tell anybody else? It, like, say, like, so say, like, the secret, like, Rex, Rex is still alive and he, he's helping clones disappear. They don't, they don't tell anybody who's not a clone. I hadn't thought of that, but, but that is a fascinating possibility because that would, that would validate other things I thought about this, right? That would... Like, what is Rex's role here? What is Echo's role now? Um, because, well, we haven't gotten to that yet, but, but like, what what exactly is their goal? Their goal is, like, liberation. Yeah, I'm guessing, like, they're, like, some sort of, like, uh, underground railroad. For clones. Yeah. For people who look exactly like each other, almost exactly like each other, and have, have the shared history and the shared liability it's it's incredible 
that this is the this is exactly the story I wanted them to tell. I, w- I want to know all about this underground railroad, as you put it, like this this smuggling operation to protect and save the clones. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. It's, it's just incredible to me. Yeah, it just makes me think of like, uh, God, just think, just think um, it's like playing Battleship or for Rex or like hanging Christmas ornaments on the tree where it's like you can't put them, you got to spread them out. You like, you kind of, you drop a clone here you kind of they, you put them in the clone witness relocation program and then but then you can't put another clone there because you're like oh there's already one there and if there's two people that look exactly alike people might ask questions so no this guy's got to go someplace else across the galaxy on this planet it's um so they're <clears throat> if if they were like like all just kind of like just running and then just like hiding out. There could, at the during Return of the, or it's not Return, but the uh, original trilogy, there could be clones just living their lives. So, um, so there's there's speculation that was confirmed and then later denied that the aged soldier in Return of the Jedi is Rex. Mm-hmm. Um, the person on Endor that has like a beard and everything. They confirmed that it was Rex, and then they basically said, no, it doesn't have to be Rex. But presumably they will eventually confirm again that it's Rex. So so that means that if that's true, then their longevity stretches at least until the fall of the Empire. So how many are there? And where are they? What are they doing? Yeah, I mean, some of them might have decided to do something about state of affairs some of them might have just decided just to be like i'm done i'm just gonna i'm gonna be the number one real estate agent in this uh quadrant or uh but rampart also also confirms in this episode that there are millions of them yeah right we we assumed but he confirms that there's millions remaining and that's also sort of an important data point yeah i mean yeah some of them stay with the empire and maybe they're just slowly killed killed off by the empire um man who knows but maybe maybe there are because they don't because the empire isn't like like in that episode of rebels when they um when callus talks to i think is it wolf or gregor um he's not like oh my god clones it's just like it's just like a, it's like a hassle for him so it's like, yeah he calls it a decommissioned clone unit it's yeah, like so it's like nothing. It's like nothing to him. Yeah. So are they just? I mean, they're are they just communes or just areas where they just they they set up shop as like soldiers of fortune or like it's like cops or just just whatever. I want to know. I still want to know, right? I think we're getting like we're nibbling around this question, and I I think we're getting close to a satisfactory answer, but I I'm not satisfied. Mm-hmm. I want to know how badly these guys get fucked over. Like, to the point where where Rex, Wolf, and what's-his-face are, are Gregor. Gregor, are hunting tremors on that planet, <laughs> using Lasada's bait. Yeah, like, and like, the, like you've got the one in the Kenobi show who's just you know, destitute. He's still got his armor, but he, 
it's answered some questions, but leaves some of the bigger ones open, which I would totally be for seeing like clones post Return of the Jedi. Just like older clones, just like, like say, like he said, like a commune or, um, um, or just some area where they just, they all just like chill out. Well, um, here's, here's a thought then. What if a, we're about ready to enter season three of Book of Boba Fett mm-hmm. and there's going to be shit on Mandalore according to the trailers. And by the time this goes up, we'll have a couple episodes under our belt. What if a bunch of Tamura Morrison clones want to return to Mandalore? I would dig that if, if they like, because you would think some of them would think that they were like, like I'm like, why not? Know, like feeling their roots. You mean like we? I mean we all to a certain extent. Like some people like I have like Scottish and German background. Like part of me wants to go back to where like the parts of Germany and Scotland where my family's from. But but somebody else might have like an even deeper drive to where they they gotta go. Uh, they gotta know that their history, where they came from. Yeah, the only the only pushback I would have against that narrative, which I would also appreciate, is that they've basically telegraphed that they're part of um, that they're Kaminoan more than they're Mandalorian. But it seems like if they if if a sect of them learns the truth of their origins, it's completely plausible that they would want to do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, they're all individual people, and, like, their home was destroyed. So they're, you know, they're, they don't have anywhere else to, to, like, go. So they're, like, so they, maybe some of them would search out for their, um, kind of, like, their, like, um, not their home away from home, but, like, where they really came from, which meaning Django Fed and Mandalore. Right. Which, and so this it's something something you just brought up that I didn't think about is that their that their home was destroyed and the parallel with the destruction of Mandalore and the then the drive to sort of redeem redeem a place or to re inhabit a place that had been destroyed might be resonant with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be that would be pretty cool. I like if they were to do that. I don't know, like how would that how would that um, jive with um, Mandalore itself? Because there were there there were clones on Mandalore. Um, I mean, we don't know how many there were by the time the Night of a Thousand Tears. But um, yeah, they could very well just be like like um, find some Mandalorians and be like, yeah, I'm. I want to be a Mandalorian. I I come from here, and then just prove it through trial by combat or something, and take the take the creed or something, whatever whatever that means for the Mandalorians that they happen to come across. Right. The Bo-Katan treats Boba Fett pretty shittily in season two of Mandalorian, but there could be extra shit. Why? Mm-hmm. He's also a notorious bounty hunter with um a bad reputation if if you get like um just a regular clone who's just a soldier who wants to who hasn't hasn't tarnished his name or anything like that like you'd maybe see it like happening toward like he has to work work towards it but eventually is given or at least maybe not like the title of a mandalorian but at least a a home among the mandalorians 
Um, yeah, I I would agree with that for sure. Yeah, I think I think you could definitely justify having them be like their own thing on the planet, right? Mm-hmm. Especially if you're especially if you're trying to rebuild the society, especially if, as I assume, Bo-Katan wants a big tent rather than a bunch of cults. Yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So as as long as uh Tamor Morrison keeps himself uh, healthy. Like he's got the potential of a, a lot of work in Star Wars um, for the foreseeable future, because then eventually he can just play old clones. I'm on board. Yeah, um, yeah. So this, yeah, this is a great episode. It, uh, man, yeah, it really makes me think. Even, even, even now, just talking about, it, I think more about stuff. It's like, um, just like. Like who, who? Like who was that fucking? Who was that clone? Because I mean, I thought it was crosshair, but I was like, I don't know. It doesn't look like crosshair. And then it's just like some, just a reg. So then it's just like this guy. It's like he's just blank. He's like a blank. Yeah. So I, I originally thought when they when they were shooting at Cade on the deck or in the parking lot, I thought it could be crosshair. But later in in the factory i assumed it wasn't crosshair that there was going to be some other crazy reveal like maybe crosshair had his own unit he was training or something mhm um but we don't know anything about this clone cuz he commits his, he commits suicide with the with a tooth yeah i'm i'm wondering if rampart has his own secret clones well we uh, don't we don't know what lama sue is doing because she's in custody at the cloning facility, mm-hmm. so who knows what what things are doing? I'm assuming that this is all going to tie in to everybody's anger and frustration. It's going to tie into the sequel trilogy. Mm-hmm. That Grogu, Bad Batch, Ahsoka, all of this is going to lead to justifying why Palpatine is cloned. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, everybody he was cloned in. Air to the Empire series, so in the '90s, so maybe we'll just back the fuck off for a second about like how terrible this plot device is. Because if you guys weren't reading the Thrawn books in the '90s, you might not be okay with the idea of Palpatine being invincible and immortal. But he was. There's so much potential introduced by this episode. This, like you said, this blank clone. I I thought he was fascinating after talking to you for a little bit about this. I think like this is a whole other plot line. Mm-hmm. This is you could have a show just about this. You could have like a three episode arc just about this, about where these guys are coming from. What are you doing with them? How are you getting them? Like who the hell are these guys? Is this is this like a side project that you evacuated from Camino before you blew it up? Like, yeah. What the hell is this? Because this guy is clearly like twenty something years old. Yeah, and it's, and the fact that he says that uh, he's fighting the wrong battle, and that he's that a believer, he's a, believer a believer in what? Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. So it's just like yeah. So there's like like what the hell is he? So I I can only I can only assume that there are that there are off the books clones made specifically to do certain tasks. Um. Either by Rampart or by Palpatine and, and um, crew, but I'm 
I'm wondering if it's like if, if these guys are like if the, I say these guys because we've only seen one, but if he is like Rampart made his own had his own personal clones made to 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 be kind of his like Gestapo. I would love it. Because and you assume there's more than one because this guy committed suicide. Yeah. The nice thing about clones is you can just make more. Like if you're making one, why not make a bunch? Yeah, and I think you're right there. I think this could be sort of like a, his own secret police, right? A super super loyal version of an army that he that only responds to his commands. Yeah, that way they make him not as much of a chump um, as as we were laying him out to be earlier. Okay, all right. So now's the time of the episode where we do the rankings. Uh, we rank episodes by Star Wars characters. So a really great episode would be a Han, Luke, Leia, Vader, Chewie, etc. A really bad episode would be... Hmm, this is always a hard one. Um, I don't know, do you have an idea? Smug. Smug was a male Trandoshan who was a member of Garnak's group of hunters in the Clone Wars. He's the only survivor of the hunting group that was assigned to Garnak. Right. So a smug. Like, I completely forgot about smug till Matt just told me. So, all right, Matt, what did you, uh, what did you rate this? I love this episode. Um, I want to give it a super, super high rating. And so I think I'm going to, I'm going to give it an Ezra. An Ezra. Oh, okay. Ezra. Ezra is a character. Ezra is just a character who, who, is arguably the main character of Rebels, but I think he's actually not. Um, there's, I think, Kanan. I think it's an ensemble piece, and so he is a main character of that show. And I think I think this episode warrants it. Warrants, okay. warrants high, high praise and high character. Yeah. What, did, what did you think? I was going to give it a fives because the it's the very clone heavy, the conspiracy, the just the um, um, just because that's a lot of people consider like his arc in the Clone Wars to be like like one of the one of the better arcs and it's super heartbreaking um, because of what happens to him. Um, it's just that there's just that they're just because they're just pawns, um, pawns to be used and abused, discarded. They're not needed, and even though that they're living, breathing things with hopes and dreams, they're just they're just treated as objects. So that's why I give it a fives. Nothing's more dangerous than a pawn on the seventh rank. What does that mean? As a chess player, I play chess all the time, right? And mm-hmm. a pawn on the seventh rank is insanely dangerous to the game because it's about to be promoted, right? It'll it'll turn itself into a queen. And in chess, that's the worst thing that can happen to you, is to let a pawn be converted into a piece that mean means something. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of what's happening in the show. Is like all of these. You have millions of these inactivated military, and they're a liability to you, and their status is becoming a larger and larger political conundrum. 
the thing that we didn't mention before that I want to mention before we get going is that this is basically a two-part episode that we pick up in the next episode exactly where, where we leave off in this episode. Um, we didn't cover it like we did the opener, but we'll get back to it next week and cover the conclusion of this episode, but they are two parts of the same episode. Right. Okay, so before we sign off, then uh, just we just like to thank everybody for uh, downloading and listening. Um, we don't put uh, hardly any money into uh, this, so how people hear of us is word of mouth uh, through you, the listener, or just um, through uh, Twitter or other social media. So um, if you could uh, give us um, a good ranking on your local podcast aggregator, the one that you use. Um, and if you didn't care for our episode, well, can you just give us a good one anyways, because we're really nice and special and Matt worked for NASA. And then maybe just tell somebody you don't like about us just to waste some of their time. Cause Hey, why not? But, um, all right, we're going to be back uh, next week with the uh, conclusion of, um, this arc. Thank you for downloading and listening to this episode. We would also like to thank Jordan White for the use of his cover of Yub Nub as our intro and outro music. Please refer to the show notes for photos, clips, and links from this episode. Side effects from listening to Yubcast may include dizziness, dry mouth, a sense of confusion, and decreased sex drive. Serious side effects may include speaking in Ewok, speculating the origins of prequel characters, and wondering why two grown men discuss children's cartoons on the internet. For a complete list of side effects or to complain about the show, please visit us on Twitter at Yubcast or drop us an email at noochbaderproductions at gmail.com. Thanks again. We'll see you again next week with a new episode. Yubcast is not affiliated with Lucasfilm or the Walt Disney Company. Star Wars, its characters, and creations are the property of Lucasfilm and its parent company, the Walt Disney Company. Yubcast is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. Da 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 da